This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. There is indeed way more pleasure in giving than in taking, way more joy in watching someone's face light up with delight, way more. And if I am anything, my friends, I am a more junkie. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. This month, we at Momentum are highlighting the Jewish value of generosity. Now, when I think about role models for this trait, my brain goes immediately to my Nana. You see, I always thought that my late grandmother, Mrs. Celia Fisher, may her memory be for a blessing, was the most generous person I had ever met. If she was wearing something and you commented on it, you said you liked it, off it came and into your hand it was thrust. She used to bake the most extraordinary blueberry muffins with all this crystallized sugar on top and fresh blueberry pies, she would always say, are loaded with lemon rind, bursting with fruit. And there were always baked apples in the oven just waiting for us to smother in syrup and devour. And she was constantly bringing us her baking. When we'd go to her house on Friday nights, she'd make a roast beef and we all loved it. Now, I don't want to gross you out, but it was wrapped in this kind of string, like a sort of cooking twine, and my greatest thrill was to chew that string before dinner, and she always saved the string for me. Now, as she grew older and moved into a small apartment, a hockey bag stuffed with everything I had ever admired in her home came to mind. A silver tea set, knickknacks and tchotchkes, her amazing Shabbat china with soup bowls that have little handles on the side of them, her silver flatware. She knew I loved it, and she couldn't wait to give it to me. I thought she was the most selfless person in the world, living only to love and share with her family. And then I became her. As I grow older, I've realized that I get much more pleasure from giving you the jacket you admired on me. It's probably only from Zara or H&M anyway. From hosting and serving people and pampering them than from really having it on myself or being pampered myself. To have on the tip of my lips that phrase of hers, take it, no really, please, take it, it'll make me happy. And there's the rub. When I do this, I get more pleasure. So does that actually make me selfish? Am I still a giver if it feels so good? Now, I am not saying that my grandmother's generosity was self-serving, God forbid. But what I've come to understand is that there is indeed way more pleasure in giving than in taking, way more joy in watching someone's face light up with delight, way more And if I am anything, my friends, I am a more junkie. Like the old disco hit went, more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? More is my thing. So it got me contemplating whether this pleasure in giving is built into us. Is it a mita, a measure of character, that by practicing and perfecting will bring us joy as a result? 
It all goes back, as most things do, to how God created us. You see, if God has no needs, then all God can do is give. One way of connecting to our Creator is by emulating our Creator. God is a giver, so we must be givers. And as such, we are made to feel that once we crack that counterintuitive paradigm, that all the pleasure in the world awaits us. Some years back, I read a quote, and whenever I'm en route to the Dead Sea in Israel, I think about it and I share it. It said that the Dead Sea is famous as the lowest point on planet Earth. It's actually 396 meters below sea level. This means that water flows into the Dead Sea, but no water ever flows out. So this inability to give of itself is one of the reasons that it was called the Dead Sea. And it's no coincidence that Sodom, that paradigm city of selfishness, is located next to the Dead Sea. Because to be alive is to give. To be dead is to stop giving. Although true to Israel's form, the Dead Sea is now very much alive. Thank you very much. Ahava products, anyone? Anyway, Sadaka, which is commonly translated as charity, but it was actually more accurately translated as righteous obligation, is such an important Jewish value that the Talmud tells us these powerful ideas. One, Sadaka and acts of kindness are the equivalent of all the mitzvahs of the Torah. And next, greater is Sadaka than all of the sacrifices. And then third, if only the people who lived in the generation of the flood and the people of Sodom had given Sadaka, they would not have perished. That comes from a midrash, because Sodom, of course, again, is the city that was destroyed for its profound wickedness. The next one is a midrash. Great is Sadaka. For since the day that the world was created, until this day, the world stands upon Sadaka. Those are some powerful testimonials. And while I have no problem being a giver with my possessions, I do have a bit of a harder time with my finances. Now, even though 10 to 20% of our after-tax income does not belong to us, sometimes I panic at the thought of not having enough of a nest egg should something happen. Let's say my husband and I can't work. I've never felt like I come from a place of scarcity emotionally. I think I have an endless well of emotional generosity because I don't think that ever runs dry. My clothing and my silly costume jewelry collection, I can afford to be generous with it too. But God asks us to give that money despite our normal apprehensions. And we're even taught that no one ever loses when they give tzedakah, and that at Rosh Hashanah, our income for the year is actually determined, and it's factored into that is the 10% that we must redistribute in order to repair the imbalance in the world. The 12th century Jewish scholar Maimonides invented a ladder of giving. Each rung up represents the higher degree of virtue. Let's begin with number one, the lowest, giving begrudgingly and making the recipient feel disgraced or embarrassed. Two, giving cheerfully but giving too little. Three, giving cheerfully and adequately but only after having been asked. 
Four, giving before being asked. Five, giving when you do not know who is the individual benefiting, but the recipient knows your identity. Level six, giving when you know who the individual is who is benefiting, but the recipient does not know your identity. Seven, giving when neither the donor nor the recipient is aware of the other's identity. And eight, the highest of all, giving money, a loan, your time, or whatever else it takes to enable an individual to be self-reliant. So this week, can you examine where you're generous and where you're perhaps a little less so? Can you examine the psychological reasons you may feel like you need to withhold? Can you consider trusting that the laws of Sadaka are written for everyone and that you are no exception and that the joys of giving are beyond anything you can imagine until you truly do it? I mean, really. My grandmother lived till 100 years old and that, well, that's saying something. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.